0: Hello, and welcome back to My Story, His Story, Our Journey. This is Miss Mary here, just thanking everybody for tuning in today. I also want to apologize for last Tuesday I did not get an episode aired due to a family emergency. I hope you guys can forgive me for that, but I am very excited about starting this journey today with you. I hope you're still inviting uh, family members and friends to come in to and join this podcast We want to encourage every single person just to absorb themselves in God's Word and to learn as much from God's Word as we possibly can, especially as we know the time draws near. I just thank you once again for being here, and I will see you in my part of the story. part of the story. So today I'm very excited about going on this journey with you. It is an individual journey and not a study that I really feel like God has laid on my heart heavily just recently. He's been trying to teach it to me and show it to me over the years, but I would say in the last six months to a year... He has showed me much more clear what he needs me to understand in the scriptures. And I'm not really sure what I want to entitle this particular episode. Uh, Maybe religion isn't working. And I say that because I just recently listened to a song that was entitled religion isn't working anymore. And as I was driving and I first heard this song, it literally gave me chills all over my body. And I just sobbed during it, and I praised Him during it. And I felt such a close connection with my Lord. And I remember telling my husband that as I was driving the car, the roof in the car, and I drive a CRV, could not be high enough for me to raise my hand as high as I needed to raise it while I was driving. I was so compelled to just lift praises to the Lord when I heard this song. But at the same time, I have to say, it convicted me a little as well, because I realized that over the years, as I was growing in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord, there was times in my life and people in my life that I laid heavy burdens upon, especially my children. You know, I was re- born again in 1996 and by then I had had three boys, my youngest one being born in June of 96 and I was saved November the 2nd of 96. But as I grew, you know, I had such a love to want to please the Lord that everything I read that spoke on any particular subject I literally took so much of it to heart that I guess I have to say that I leaned quite literally toward legalism but over the years as I've grown and Jesus has really revealed himself through the New Testament and through the scriptures to me I see that he often warned people about the concept of legalism. And I know it confuses you maybe when I say religion isn't working. Because oftentimes, as believers, we're considered religious people. But as I've grown, I now will actually explain to somebody, I'm not religious. I'm a believer. I'm a Christ follower. So... There is a big difference, and the journey that we're going to take today is a journey where Jesus speaks on this very particular subject, and I think it would surprise you as to what his very words were on the difference between religion and possibly legalism, as some people would see it. We've kind of spoke a little bit about legalism before when we talked about the crowns and we talked about repentance. And I know sometimes these subjects may seem like they're opposite, but they're not. They fit hand in hand perfectly with what the Lord is trying to get us to understand. It's just a matter of when the Holy Spirit will just totally unlock it in your mind and in your heart to where you see that it fits together Beautifully and perfectly, like a puzzle. The difference between legalism and the law and religion and Christianity. But I believe that this particular subject today and the scriptures that we're going to be looking at is going to give you a very clear picture about how Jesus Christ felt on the subject of religious beliefs or religion itself, or legalism, and following Him. We have to remember that the Pharisees was always the representation of religion and religious leaders, and when you see the scriptures unfold in the New Testament when it comes to the Pharisees and Jesus Christ, we never want to find ourselves standing on the side. Of the Pharisees. So I'm very excited to take you on this journey today that maybe it will help heal your heart and settle your mind on the difference in the separation of the subjects between being a Christian believer and follower and being a religious person or part of a religious sect, and the difference between legalism and grace and mercy. So stick around with me and I will see you in his part of the story. Hello and welcome to his part of the story. So again, as I was saying, we're going to go on a little bit of a journey here with Jesus just to see what it was he said about the difference in religion and religiousness and being a true follower. So we are now going to be looking at the book of Matthew, the gospel of Matthew in chapter 23. And we see here that Jesus is with a crowd of people and also with his disciples. And amongst them, I'm sure that the scribes and the Pharisees are all always intermingling. Usually, they're trying to cause discord between Jesus and the people that he is speaking to or his disciples. And they're always trying to catch Jesus off guard and trying to usually corner him with particular questions, but at this point we see Jesus actually speaking of them amongst the multitude of people. So let's just go ahead and go into the scriptures and see if we can catch the example that Jesus Christ was giving us about religiousness and the true practice of following. So we see here in chapter 23. It says, Then Jesus said to the crowds and to his disciples, The scribes and the Pharisees sit on Moses' seat. So practice and observe whatever they tell you, but not what they do. I want to stop right there. We always know, you know, we always talk about what's before before it and what's below it, and this is kind of a long reading today, so I'm actually hoping that I can get to what is above it, but notice here that Jesus Christ says that the scribes and the Pharisees sit on Moses' seat, as in the position that Moses was when he gave the law, and, but notice how it says, so practice and observe whatever they tell you. But. Now, I don't know about you, but every time I see a but, that usually means pay attention. I told you this, but. So it's very important that we stop for a minute and really focus and think about what Jesus is speaking on when he says but. So he says, but not what they do. For they preach, but do not practice. They tie up heavy burdens, hard to bear. And they lay them on people's shoulders, but they themselves are not willing to move them with their finger. They do all their deeds to be seen by others, for they make their phylacteries broad and their fringes long. Now, their phylacteries, and I'm pretty sure I'm saying that right. This was something that was known like... um, it was like a box that they would have on their shoulder, or some of them even wore it, I think, on their head. And it had scriptural readings inside of them. And, you know, what Jesus is speaking on here is, is the Pharisees, they not only... Taught the law that Moses taught, which, by the way, was the Ten Commandments that the Lord had given unto Moses, and it was very clear what those Ten Commandments had said. And by the way, the Ten Commandments is also known as a schoolmaster, which tells us or shows us why we need a Savior, because it's physical impossibility as lost people and sinners to actually obey that law that was given. So it was given as a mirror to for us to look in and to see why it was we needed a Savior. Because we needed His very Holy Spirit to even have a desire to want to do what the law had said. That's what it meant when it said He came to perfect the law, not to destroy the law. So giving to us His very Spirit to help us heal and to be able to want and to desire to do that law or to please and satisfy God is still once again only given by God because we would not have that desire supernaturally if, if it was not for His Holy Spirit. So we see here the Pharisees not only talk about the law but they had added num- hundreds of Mosaic laws. So what they did is they would take one Of the Ten Commandments and they would interpret it in her own manner as to how you can achieve that. Like remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Well they came up with laws that you could not travel on the Sabbath day in any kind of business form whatsoever. So if you were a seamstress and you would have a pen in your lapel and they caught you with that pen or in your lapel or traveling a distance from your home on the Sabbath with that, then you were in trouble with the Pharisees according to the law because they had added that emphasis that this is how you can keep from doing work on the Sabbath day. If that makes sense to you, there's all kinds of do's and don'ts that the Pharisees had added into this in their own interpretation and opinion of what they felt needed to be done. So then we go back and kind of clearly understand what Jesus is saying, because he's saying here, so practice and observe whatever they tell you based on Moses's law, based on the law that God had originally given but not what they do so he was making it clear to them that they now have done something of their own they have added something themselves to what God's instruction was and what it originally was even meant for to reveal to people their sin nature and that they needed the Holy Spirit and they needed Christ as a Savior So we see here that now he's really kind of reaming the religious leaders. He's basically publicly testifying in front of people that these religious leaders, these scribes and Pharisees, are putting heavy burdens upon the people's shoulders that they don't even do themselves. And then it says, you know, the boxes they had, I think that was to show off, to show people that, oh, I know what I'm supposed to be doing. You know, I have this and you can see this on me at all times. And then it says their fringes long, which was the fringes that was on their robes to show holiness or royalty or to remind you to be holy. And then it says, and they love the place of honor at feast. And the best seats in the synagogues, and greetings in the marketplaces, and being called rabbi by others. But, and we see here Jesus again saying, But you are not to be called rabbi, for you have one teacher, and you are all brothers. And call no man your father on earth, for you have one father who is in heaven. Neither be called instructors. For you have one instructor, the Christ. The greatest among you shall be your servant. Whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. So once again, Jesus is returning back to being that humble servant. Not somebody that applies heavy burdens upon the people. And I go back to what I said, with naivety in my heart and in my mind as I was a very babe in Christ, I just felt like, well, if you say you're a Christian, you should act this way and that way and this way and that way and, you know, whatever it says, you need to observe it and you need to do it. But not fully understanding the process of sanctification and that that was a personal walk with Jesus Christ and that person themselves, and that includes my children. You know, that also ties neatly back to love being the chief of all spiritual gifts. You know, love and charity is the top spiritual gift that God has given us toward people. And there was a time that people had to be patient with us and be patient with me before I had even accepted Christ. Maybe they never really accepted Christ yet. Maybe they didn't even have the Holy Spirit in them to have the ability to really do it. But either or, it should be handled with love and with the heart and mind frame of reconciliation and wanting them to understand what it is that they are doing that would not be God-honoring. So... Then it goes on to say here, but woe to you, scribes and Pharisees. Now, we're getting into the first woe of seven woes that he gives the scribes and Pharisees, which is very powerful because we know often we see three and seven intermingling when it comes to Jesus Christ and numbers. And But here he starts with the first one, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you shut the kingdom of heaven in people's faces. For you neither enter yourselves, nor allow those who would enter to go in. That's a scary feeling that we would lull people to death so much that we prevent them forever and in entering into heaven's gates or ever in understanding the full love and grace and mercy that Jesus Christ had for them. That's so scary. Woe to you scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you travel across sea and land to make a single proselyte. Proselyte. And when he becomes a proselyte, proselyte, you make him twice as much a child of hell as yourselves. Now, I think I pronounced that right the second time pro- proselyte and this was a convert it was basically another word for a convert or it could be a Jewish convert or even in our sense it could just be a convert somebody that wanted to accept Jesus Christ as their personal savior but he's saying here to them you make him twice as much a child of hell as yourselves now see people say Woo. Miss Mary, do you, when you use rebuking or exhortation, does it sound stern, or is that really the way you should do it uh, when it comes to being a Christian? Well, yes. Yes. We've got to be careful not to law people to death. We've got to be careful not to force legalism into the situation. But you can see here that Jesus Christ spoke with very strong words. He literally said, a child of hell, as yourselves. I can only imagine the reaction of the Pharisees in this crowd and the hatred that they were building up for Jesus Christ as he spoke these words. Woe to you blind guides who say, if anyone swears by the temple, it is nothing, but if anyone swears by the gold of the temple, he is bound by his oath." Hmm. You blind fools for which is greater, the gold or the temple that has made the gold sacred. You always think about that when he says, the temple is the Holy Spirit. Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit if you have accepted Christ as your personal savior. So he's reminding which is more important, the gold or the temple that actually holds the gold. I love Jesus Christ's words and how he knitted them together so prophetically. And you say, if anyone swears by the altar, it is nothing. But if anyone swears by the gift that is on the altar, he is bound by his oath. You blind men. For which is greater, the gift or the altar that makes the gift sacred? Hmm. You think about the gift of salvation. Can't get a greater gift than that. But if you think of the altar in which it laid and it came by, which was Jesus Christ's death on that very cross, you know, I could see what he was saying even before he experienced it. So whoever swears by the altar swears by it and by everything on it. And whosoever swears by the temple swears by it and by him, who dwells in it. And whosoever swears by heaven swears by the throne of God and by him who sits upon it. Did you see how neatly he had put those three together? It's basically him. He is the most important thing. Woe to you scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you mint and deal and cumin and have neglected the weightier matters of the law justice and mercy and faithfulness Jesus says this is the heavier the weightier of the law justice mercy and faithfulness these you ought to have done without neglecting the others you blind guides straightening out a gnat and swallowing a camel now at this point I don't know about you but I have to snicker my lord and savior literally said you're trying to straighten out a gnat you know how tiny a gnat is how annoying it can be and he says and swallowing a camel I don't even know if I I can add anything to that. That pretty much is a very visual picture for me. Woe to you scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you clean the outside of the cup and the plate, but inside they are full of greed and self-indulgence. You blind Pharisees, first clean the inside of your cup and the plate that the outside also may be clean. So again, he's got another woe. Oh, you look clean on the outside, but you're filthy on the inside. As you put these weighted burdens on my people, you just keep piling it on and piling it on and piling it on. And you weigh them down to a point of brokenness. But yet, you do it all yourself because your heart is wicked. So you do it yourself. Woe to you scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. And I see several explanation points. I'm hoping that you're following along in your Bible because these are followed with explanation points on every single one. For you are like whitewashed tombs, which outwardly appear beautiful, but within are full of dead people's bones all uncleanness so you also outwardly appear righteous to others but within you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness I don't know about you but that gives me such cold chills to think that I have to be so careful and again that returns back to take the plank out of your eye before you take a speck out of your brother's eye have to be so careful that when you're speaking to a child of God or even a lost person that, that my Jesus died for and, and is trying to reach be careful in the way you approach them because one, you're at a time without the Holy Spirit to help you and thank God for the grace and mercy of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ that he would draw us with his Holy Spirit He would reveal to us through the Holy Spirit. And then He would deposit inside of us His very Holy Spirit to help us do better or have a desire to even want to be better. But yet, the Pharisees, they enjoy walking around and pointing out every single mistake, every single sin, every single thing came up against the law Hmm. it's interesting because it reminds me of other scripture that also speaks of Satan and a name for him is the great accuser do you find yourself instead of examining your own heart being that accuser do you find yourself in private conversations with other people about another brother or sister in Christ? Maybe a deacon. Maybe the pastor himself. The very man that God called to lead the congregation in the body in which you reside in. Are we? Are we standing in the feet, in the shoes of the or the sandals of the Pharisees? Are we put putting doubts in people's minds about another believer before being on our knees and lifting them to the Lord? Are we going behind closed doors and speaking of all the do's and the don'ts and uh, the likes and the dislikes that we see? Are we putting weighty burdens upon the leadership of our church? I could go on for days on just that and as i do the holy spirit convicts me that when i speak i need to be speaking about a particular situation in love always wanting the best for the person that i'm speaking of mm. because if not then i've now looked into that mirror into that schoolmaster that reveals my very heart. Mm. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you build the tombs of the prophets and decorate the monuments of the righteous, saying, if we had lived in the days of our fathers, we would not have taken part with them in the shedding of the blood of the prophets Hmm. have you ever said well if I was in the garden I wouldn't have made that decision it's not fair that I'm a sinner because of what Adam and Eve chose to do Hmm. you don't think you would have you don't think that out of all of the animals in the garden if one had approached you and started speaking to you none of the other animals spoke. You don't think you could have been begilded? You don't think you could have been tricked? You don't think you could have been swayed that this animal must have knowledge and wisdom? After all, he is talking. I beg to differ. I know I probably would have made the exact same choice. Thus, you witness against yourselves that you are sons of those who murdered the prophets. Fill up them, the measure of your fathers, you serpents, you brood of vipers. How are you to escape being sentenced to hell? Wow. <laughs> I mean, he it's, it's getting stronger. It's getting stronger. You want to say that you wouldn't have? came from the same same nature, the same background you not only would have but you are now see Jesus knows exactly what they're going to do to him they know that they hate him they know what their plans are for Jesus, they're going to get rid of him As we're reading this, did you think of that? Did you think of how Jesus knew that they would have his very blood on their hands? Therefore, I send you prophets and wise men and scribes, some of whom you will kill and crucify, and some you will flog in your synagogues and persecute from town to town. They do. They follow him from town to town. Persecuting him. And the believers. Later on. They will also. Those that follow Christ. But that's what they're doing to Christ right now. Will they flog Christ in the synagogues? Are they going to whip him? And beat him? Spit on him? So what... On you may come all the righteous blood shed on earth, from the blood of innocent Abel to the blood of Zachariah the son of Barachiah, whom you murdered between the sanctuary and the altar. Truly I say to you, all these things will come upon this generation. Wow, did Jesus just tell them that you will kill this man and I will tell you exactly where you killed him. Between the sanctuary and the altar. You, you ever read something and you just bypass it and you're thinking, where, how did I not see that before? So is he telling them they will? Whom you murdered between the sanctuary and the altar? Or did it already happen? Hmm. Old Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it. How often would I have gathered your children together as hen gathers her brood under the wings? And you would not. See, your house is left to you desolate. For I tell you, you will not see me again until you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. He said, I will gather your people. I will take care of them. You should have been. But you didn't. You should have been understanding You should have known that I was who I I say that I am. But you misunderstood. But I will gather them. Like a mother hen gathers her chicks. And you will not see me again. Until you say. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And with that I would say amen. Because every knee will bow. And every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Well, this was the journey in the scriptures. I think we can see how Jesus Christ himself felt about the unweighted burden that the Pharisees and scribes put on the people, they lulled them to death. It broke his heart. We can see the harsh words, so please I ask you examine your heart. Is there somebody in your life that you're lawing to death? That you are religiously beating them over the head with the scriptures instead of lovingly guiding them to the Savior? It's something you should think of. religion isn't working well I think we'll end right there and I will see you as we wrap it up after the short advertisement in our part of the journey welcome back to our part of the journey So this is where normally I would discuss how you feel about the journey that we went on with Jesus and how he approached the actual religious leaders and how he basically scolded them and warned them with the seven woes of of legalism and adding to the Word of God. Uh, like he had implied with Moses' laws, they sit on Moses' seat and he said for them to listen to basically the law and the word of Moses, but not to follow the Pharisees, for they did not do, one, what they even preached themselves, and two, they were also adding more laws that they came up with themselves. Um, And we see that often in the world today as well, in different denominations and churches that have these stipulations um, on, you know, you can't serve God, especially in the church, if a woman wears pants. That is such a strong statement to imply that a person that Jesus Christ called to a ministry or a person that the Lord had... It put his very spirit inside of them for the work. And then you have people adding on to specific concepts that they believe they read or understood from the Word of God. Uh, it just, it's mind-blowing to believe that you think a person could not serve a, a risen Savior based on their dress apparel. So, You know, that's exactly what the Lord was, you know, saying here. And usually sometimes I'll write, you know, in the comment or read in the commentary. But because that was so long, I actually just want to go up and I think I'm gonna do the R part of the journey because I do want to read a little bit above it just for you to be able to see the context and what was really happening here. Remember how I said the Sadducees and the Pharisees was always trying to trip up Jesus. They were always trying to put him on the spot. You know, and you'd have to ask yourself, do you do that to people? Do you use the word of God or the knowledge that you have gotten from this book that is meant for you as a personal relationship with God the Father to try to trip people up? Do you hinge on every single word that they say? Because I could tell you that if somebody hinged my salvation, Uh, on every single word I said back 10, 15 years ago, I would be in trouble because I had not grown that much. I was a baby Christian and I was doing the best that I could with the knowledge that I had at that time. But I could see very clearly that I added extra burdens and weight, weighty things to my children. Um, And that's not to excuse not obeying the Word of God either. I mean, there is a fine line there, but you, you want to obey the Word of God, but what you don't want to do is have their salvation hinging on a particular behavior or obedience at that moment. So, um, I want to go back to see show you this. It says here in chapter 22 of Matthew, in verse 23, The same day Sadducees came to him, who say, that there is no resurrection and they asked him a question so the Sadducees say that there is no resurrection and they came to him and asked him a question saying teacher Moses said if a man dies having no children his brother must marry the widow and raise up children for his brother now there are seven brothers among us the first married and died and having no children left his wife to his brother so to the second and the third, and down to the sevens. After them all, the the woman died. In the resurrection, therefore, of the seven, whose wife will she be? For they all had her. So he's giving this example. I'm assuming he's not speaking of it literally. He was probably saying... Well, then if there were seven brothers and she got past every time a brother died, she was moved to another brother and another brother and on down the line. So then when she died, and then if the resurrection is true as to what you say, then whose wife would she be? To me, that sounds like a challenge. It sounds like a trip you up on your words. Because, you know, the next thing would probably lead to you know, a form of adultery, or how could that possibly work that way, you know, with the way Moses had had said for her to be taken care of, but it's, it's interesting how Jesus replied, but Jesus answered them, you are wrong, because you know neither the scriptures, nor the power of God, well, that was a pretty strong statement he just flat out looked at him and said you were wrong so did Jesus call people out for misquoting scripture or trying to twist an idea into what they believe they want that scripture to say or what they believe that it even says yes he did yes he did and he said for in the resurrection they neither marry nor are given in marriage but are like angels in heaven And as for the resurrection of the dead, have you not read what you said to you by God? Or what was said to you by God? I am the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. He is not God of the dead, but of the living. And when the crowd heard it, they were astonished at his teaching. So he's saying, at that point, you know, Abraham's gone, Isaac's gone, Jacob's gone. But he says, I am not a God of the dead. I am God of the living, which means they live on. And then we see another interesting thing happen here. But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together and one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him now we can see clearly here this is why it's so important to read the word of god we can see clearly here that this group of people purposely tried to test him they were upset that he should could shut down the sadducees so they thought well we'll try our hand at it and they said teacher which is the great commandment in the law And he said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And his second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. Now, I'm sure they didn't take that too kindly. Because now he is basically saying... Yeah, you have the Ten Commandments, but he's pointing out all these other things that they're adding to the people and burdening them down like he had said. And he's showing them up until this point. He hasn't, remember, this was before he gave the seven woes. So he's showing them up until this point. There's two new great commandments, and basically these would hinge on all of it. Because if you're following, love your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and all your mind, and love others as you love yourself, then you would be following those commandments. It would be perfect. Like I said, He didn't come to destroy the law. He came to perfect it. Now, while the Pharisees were gathered together, Jesus asked them a question. So now it's His turn. Saying what do you think about the Christ? Whose son is he? Now you know, he is the Christ. So he's like, well, if we're going to ask questions, let's do this. And I know I may say that kind of flippingly, but when I read him, read the Bible, and I see him and his interactions with people, I will always say he is so cool. I mean, I just I just love Jesus. I, He, how could a person not want to be, like Jesus because to watch him and the things he said just it blows my mind but it's interesting because he's turned the tables now and he said whose son is he they said to him the son of David he said to them how is it then that David in the spirit calls him lord saying the lord said to my lord sit at my right hand until I put your enemies under your feet if then David calls him Lord how is he his son (laughs) Uh, see he is the Christ and he knows whose son he is he is the son of God see they're talking about him coming from the lineage, lineage of David but he's not David's son. And he says, and no one was able to answer him a word. Nor from that day did anyone dare to ask him any more questions. And you see, this was right before Jesus approached the crowds, because it moves to chapter 23. Then Jesus said to the crowds and to the disciples, The scribes and the Pharisees sit on Moses' seat." So see, prior to those comments that Jesus had made, those seven woes, and those strict and harsh words that he used toward them about being whitewashed tombs with dead man's bones, they had came to him. They put him on the spot. They challenged him. They tried to prove him not to be who he was. And he shut them down. And he used the word of God to do it. So, again, I go back to religion isn't working. What is our goal? Our goal is to go out, to share the gospel, and to do exactly what Jesus in his great command... uh, Great Commission told us to do, to reach the masses and the lost. How do you think you're going to reach them? Are we going to reach them with preaching nothing but law and religion? Or are we going to reach them the way Christ reached them, with love and grace and mercy? Yes, after salvation, Jesus wants us to obey the Spirit. He wants us to repent. He wants us to turn away from the things that was never meant for us to be doing. He wants us to love Him and love Him enough to trust Him with our lives, trust Him with the decisions in our lives, and to have the Holy Spirit alter us back into the image of Himself. But we've got to be very careful that why we are teaching and training up those that are under us that we are not putting burdensome laws and religion upon them that they can't even have that one-on-one relationship with Jesus Christ. That they can't even see Christ there with grace and mercy and love because all they can see is all of the do's and the don'ts and everything that man has added to the word of God. So I I, I want to leave you with this. I've already asked God to forgive me for the times that I had added to his word or thought that I understood it when I didn't and I had put burden my children and maybe even others around me I never want to be seen in the light of the Pharisees I never want to be on that side so I would pray you would search your heart and you would do the same and you would see get into the New Testament get in there where Jesus is see how he acted see how he reached the people see how he loved them Let us do the same. Let us reach the multitudes for him by using those two commandments that he said would be the most important. Thank you for joining me today. And again, I apologize for some delays in the posting of the episodes. I would ask you to pray for my family situation. Um, And again, I will see you next Tuesday on My Story, His Story, Our Journey.